Hello everyone, Phil Seymour here, IBA's company president and head of advisory. I'm pleased to be joined today by IBA's Tim Boone, one of our team of 35 aviation analysts and our ESG specialist to discuss industry developments over the last year and how our own initiative at IBA in terms of tracking your aircraft portfolio carbon emissions is coming along. Tim authored our first report that we published last February and also the newly published update and addendum to that report that's now available on IBA's website. For those of you who are new to IBA, we are a data and aviation finance consultancy providing aviation data, valuations, advisory, technical and asset management solutions over the world. So welcome, Tim. Uh, I want to kick off by uh, asking you about how things have changed over the last year. Has the COVID pandemic meant that the environment is no longer a key topic as it was this time last year? Yeah, thanks for having me, Phil. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in, in perhaps the first months when the when the world was in turmoil, um, but we've seen various initiatives and indeed strings attached uh, support of airlines that have meant carbon emissions are front and center. And um, especially now we've got the US president's desire to re-engage with the Paris Agreement. So that add further weight um, to the environmental and sustainability issues. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, if I recall, this this time last year we just left the Dublin conference circuit. We were looking forward to the ISTAT event in Austin, and uh, definitely environment and sustainability were were top of the agenda. In terms of our update, Tim, um, what what are we putting out there in the update? If, in effect, what's our table of contents? Yeah, so the report update was aimed at highlighting the various types of sustainability-backed transactions that occurred throughout 2020, uh, the key sustainability reporting standards, the so-called strings-attached bailouts, as well as the emerging technologies that we expect to see over the next decade, which include the hydrogen-powered aircraft, electric regional aircraft, and sustainable aviation fuel. Yeah, can we start with green bonds and sustainability-backed financing? Uh, what is it? And is it simply a case of if a borrower ticks the green box, they get a cheaper line of credit? Uh, is that seen as so-called greenwashing rather than real progress? Yeah, it's a good point, Phil. I mean, some commentators suggest the notion of greenwashing, but it's not something that I personally buy. The idea of green bond issuances and ESG investment is more weighted towards risk-adjusted growth and long-term protection of the finance. In simple terms, if I was an investor, I would want to have a better understanding of whether my investment will be safe in the future from any potential environmental regulations imposed on the aviation sector, which is currently obviously very much in the spotlight at the moment. In the asset-driven aviation finance industry, having better protection for climate-related risks is certainly a benefit, given how dynamically and rapidly evolving the environmental regulations are becoming. So, I mean, we have monitored numerous sustainability-linked loans and green bonds within the industry. The fundamental idea of green bonds is to raise capital to directly finance climate or environmental related projects such as efficient airport infrastructure and buildings, decarbonizing supply chains and improving operational efficiency. There has been somewhat of an oversubscription to green bonds in the bond market given how attractive they are to have in your portfolio and in turn have triggered a stimulus in the green bonds uh, market and they've resulted in premiums or what some people are calling them now as greeniums. However, the jury is still out as to whether green bonds will carry a premium going forward, given the relative immaturity of the green bond market. Where sustainability-linked loans differ is the pricing mechanism of the loan is directly pegged against the environmental performance of the borrower, which in most cases is monitored and verified by a third-party ESG ratings agency, 
means that there's a certain level of fluidity in the pricing of the debt versus the environmental performance should the borrower dip below their predetermined environmental baseline standards. Yeah, it's definitely um, something that's going to need an awful lot of auditing going forward, I imagine. Um, we also, in our report, we refer to a couple of airlines, Jet, JetBlue and Etihad, uh, some loans into them. Could you give us a brief run through what was involved in those and what the airlines had to do or have to do in the future to meet obligations of the lenders and, and, and who those lenders are? In early 2020, JetBlue secured a $550 million revolving credit facility with BNP Pariba as the sole structuring agent. This was an update of their existing $550 million credit facility. Um, so Vigil Iris is the uh, third-party ESG ratings agency, which updates JetBlue's score on an annual basis and which in turn dictates the cost of the borrowing based against the ESG score. Etihad had also secured two sustainably linked loans in 2019 and 2020, the first being a 100 million euro sustainably linked loan through a partnership with First Abu Dhabi Bank and the Abu Dhabi Global Market to further develop uh, Etihad's eco-residence for cabin group. Where this loan differs from Etihad is that it's the first airline to base the loan against the UN Sustainability Development Goals, or the SDGs, and was in turn able to negotiate a lower interest rate because of that. This is also subject to Etihad staying within the UN's SDG framework, and should it falter, uh, the banks reserve the right to also increase the cost of the loan. Hmm. Again, there seems to be a lot of oversight and reporting that's going to have to be uh, performed to make sure there's adherence to those to those uh, points that the banks want covered. Um, so keeping on this matter of airlines, it, it does appear that some are further ahead than others. Is it that the Europeans are taking this seriously and others less so? No, so it's not that binary. Cathay and SIA have detailed addendums to their financial reports and United and Delta are also heavily involved in progressing sustainability. As mentioned earlier, the new president of the US is also putting the environment back on the agenda. We have seen significant commitments from our friends across the pond in North America in terms of long-term sustainability aviation fuel offtake agreements and carbon capture technologies. And we also expect to see a significant uptake in improving sustainability in the North American market over the next few years. Yeah, thanks for that. And now, in terms of some of the regulatory and compliance issues, uh, I know when we were first looking at this uh, as, a, as a sector we should be focusing on, uh, I don't think I've seen more three, four or six, seven letter acronyms uh, coming into this industry. Um, I know the there's been a, a lot in, in the press generally about things like the TCFD and CDP. Um, where, where do they fit in, Tim? Yeah, so the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures or the TCFD, like you say, and the Climate Disclosure Project or CDP, complement each other in terms of the applicability to non-financial and financial aspects of an organization, whereby the CDP focuses on the non-financial risks and the TCFD on the financial risks. One of the key goals of the TCFD is to give lenders, investors and insurance underwriters a clear assessment of how climate change and the risks associated with it are likely to impact the organization's future financial position. So the CDP runs the Global Environmental Disclosure System system developed to measure and manage the risks and opportunities on climate change, water security and deforestation. The benefits of the CDP are multifaceted and include protection and building an airline's reputation through the trust and transparency by responding to rising environmental concern among the public and the investment community. 
Yeah, I mean, I notice um, TCFD in particular that that's referred to a lot these days, and th there are you know a couple of of the primary uh, folks involved in that, uh, Michael Bloomberg and Mark Carney. So there's mm -hmm. some heavy hitters behind that. It's it, it appears as if it's more than just you know environmental guidelines. It, it does seem as if it's pretty well structured, and and given those guys and their backgrounds with the uh, financial institutions. Uh, it does seem to have, um, you know, teeth and not just something that's going to sit on the shelves. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. In terms of um, the airlines, again, I mean, we we mentioned in our update that IAG has attained level B in management. I mean, how do they improve? Is is level A the target? Is how is it possible to get there? Yeah, it's quite a difficult one. Um, especially when you consider airlines, it's, it's more of a case of the airlines working together with the CDP to work towards a more robust means of scoring the transportation sector um, and obviously the inherent emissions created by operating aircraft. Um, so IAG and other airlines recently announced that they are working with the CDP to improve the scoring methodology to suit them better so they can then obviously attain a level A. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something we're, um, as part of our airline scores and operator risk assessments that we've been producing for the last three or four years, uh, we now do include uh, an assessment of the airline's progress in the environment and sustainability. And, you know, we do need to keep close to that methodology to make sure we, we're um, keeping up to date with those things. Uh, you mentioned earlier some of the government bailouts uh, due to the pandemic appear to have come with obligations. I think Air France and Austrian come to mind. They, they've got some strings attached, haven't they, Tim? Yeah, so Air France KLM received 7 billion euros in state aid, which includes a 4 billion state-backed loan and a 3 billion direct loan. And um, so part of that uh, Air France side of the deal, French fin finance ministers insisted that Air France permanently scrap all short haul routes, um, shorter than two and a half hours, as the flights, in their words, just aren't justified uh, when you compare them to TGV high-speed rail services, which can serve cities within France in lieu of the carbon cost of operating an aircraft on these routes. So similarly, the Austrian federal government has also attached similar environmental constraints to the bailout offered to Austrian airlines. As part of the deal, the airline is required to scrap short haul flights between destinations less than three hours train ride away, as well as to, to committing to reducing its CO2 emissions in half by 2030. However, opinions are divided. Many agree that the air transport industry, the jobs attached to it, and the mobility opportunity it creates are of essential importance. While some governments identified this situation as an opportunity to financially incentivize airlines to meet environmental sustainability targets and in line with their national commitments, others do not consider this as a priority and in the quest to prevent failures of airlines instead. So IATA have suggested that in order to ease airlines recovery following the COVID-19 crisis, climate-related targets and the economic burden attached could be deprioritized de in the short term. The EU leaves each individual national government to decide the conditions on which state aid would be offered to struggling airlines. More specifically, the European Commission for Transport has spoken out against such constraints being imposed on the aviation industry, with many airlines still faced with bankruptcy. This could very well be a sign of things to come in the future, and in particular in Europe, where high-speed rail networks are very well developed and further legislation potentially being imposed on European car carriers. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be you know, very much tied in with this point about the infrastructure. I mean, if I look here in the UK, 
to travel between somewhere on the south coast like Southampton uh, to get and that get to the northeast to Newcastle uh, you've got to be very lucky to get a train that would get you there in less than five hours and likewise the you know the road the roads it's probably a five hour journey as well in a car so then what does that cover that's probably that's probably less than I know 300 miles so even within the country that we we think is well developed that that, that rail network is really going to have to improve before people see it as a realistic alternative so um i can understand you know some governments in particular air france i mean you you've got the french government who is also responsible for looking at producing airbus aircraft so you know the more the more new technology aircraft can be can be sold the better it is for france plc so um yeah it's interesting to see whether some of these constraints are actually going to be achievable uh, particularly in an industry that's been yeah absolutely massacred by this pandemic you know long-term investments are going to be uh, a real struggle when we're just looking at some of the short-term cash issues now so keeping with the airlines uh, Corsia we've been talking about Corsia for several years where does that sit now um, that's that's had a few issues now given the pandemic hasn't it Tim yeah, for sure. So, given the unprecedented drop in air travel and, and the emissions, uh, or drop in aircraft emissions due to COVID-19, there's clearly a sizable reduction in the baseline emissions figure. Um, so, if the 2020 data is used to calculate it, uh, that's obviously going to skew the figures massively. Um, so, airlines argued that, that as passenger volumes begin to increase, the considerable distortion between the baseline figure will put increased and unnecessary financial pressure on their business models due to the enlarged offsetting requirements of an already financially stressed operating environment. And in lieu of the concerns displayed by airlines and with the added pressure from IATA, ICAO, um, announced on Tuesday the 30th of June in 2020, they've agreed to disregard the 2020 emissions data and will only use emissions data from 2019, which according to IATA will save international airlines in the region of around 15 billion US dollars. Okay, so um, just to put this in some layman's terms, the idea was pre pre COVID that 2020 was going to be one of the baseline years. So assuming yeah, so it was aggregated between 2019 and 2020. Yeah. So now that we've got 2020 being decimated and you know 70 or 80 percent reduction in in operations, using that as a benchmark would potentially penalise airlines in the future as they got back to let's say. Uh, pre-COVID levels. So uh, the idea is that 2020 can now be disregarded. So um, yeah. yeah, okay. We can forget about it. It never happened. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on to uh, the the manufacturers, the the OEMs. I mean, we've seen some comments from them over the last year and some potential new arrivals on the scene. Have you been impressed with those or not? Uh, could you give us a flavour of of what's happened in from that sector? Yeah, so it's impressive um, on the face of things. I still remain fairly sceptical on some of the design concepts, but obviously they are design concepts at the moment. Um, so in, some interesting developments in the OEM space have obviously developed in the last year. The most notable one from Airbus in September, which showcases their various design approaches towards hydrogen-based aircraft propulsion. Um, so they include direct hydrogen combustion and also hydrogen-based synthetic fuels. Um, so obviously, going back to my scepticism, the, the key hurdle to overcome is 
to create the hydrogen centric supply network that can compete in terms of cost and production volumes when compared to conventional jet fuels. The critical aspect is securing the fuel stocks required to feed a hydrogen fueled international fleet. So the European Union has made very real commitment to the development of hydrogen based fuel network, but it's also vital to have the United States adopt the hydrogen in order to make these aircraft concepts commercially viable. Um, what you've got to also look at there is that in Europe, the hydrogen commitments are very much more into the energy sector and also for land transport, so with your cars and your lorries. And so there's going to be extreme competition between the airline sector and the land transport sector in terms of securing these feedstocks for hydrogen. So it's clear now as well at this current point in time, hydrogen propulsion is the focal point for Airbus. And in some respect for Boeing too, which have also stated that they also continue to develop concepts in, in this area. But where they differ is that they've expressed their commitments to sustainable aviation fuel as their near-term solution, where comparison with Airbus, where it's very much the hydrogen-focused um, propulsion. So in terms of electric aircraft, it seems that OEMs have dropped uh, them, them somewhat from the roster and they're pushing ahead with alternative propulsion means. Uh, this doesn't mean that electric aircraft space is dead though. We have seen Faraday, uh, which is a startup, create a very viable case for an 18-seat quick-change aircraft with what they say will be reduced maintenance costs uh, that can operate out of local airfields at a much lower price point when compared to the other competing aircraft of that size. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely some developments. Uh, I, they seem as if some of them might be decades away rather than years away, but I do, um, from what I've seen of the, the hydrogen sector, definitely does seem to be you know, the long-term overall solution. Um, thanks for that, Tim. And finally, the IBA carbon emissions calculator, um, how does that work? Is there a, a simple answer to that one, Tim? Uh, if you want to book a demo, we can go through with uh, in much more detail with you. But um, in simple terms, the Insight IQ calculator aims to cut through the noise of aircraft efficiency and carbon emissions by providing realistic CO2 values for aircraft on a per type basis. What we want is we want our clients to understand the carbon intensity of their portfolio and to record this data to be used in their own climate related disclosures. So the model uses a blend of IBA proprietary data and public source information while simultaneously referencing off of real world flight information from our flight databases to assist in accurate CO2 measurements. So our clients are also able to build their own portfolio based upon the MSNs that they have, the route flown, and also have an option to choose the quantity of sustainable aviation fuel used on a specific flight to understand the carbon lifestyle reductions that that can bring. And and we do um, we can actually either allocate kerosene or other sustainable sustainable aviation fuels, can we? Yeah, correct. So we have um, a data bank of sustainable aviation fuels that are um, within Corsia's Corsia eligible fuels. Uh, so you can choose which feedstock that you want to use on a, a given flight uh, if you know that. Um, or we do have a de facto standard for the sustainable aviation fuel that you want to use. Um, but yeah, you can mm -hmm. use that. Yeah, I think some of the the areas there, and the reason why we've developed this is we we've, we've been sat in front of many sort of investors and funds, and some of the questions we have are, you know, if, if previously they'd invested in lessors or airlines or aircraft directly, uh, and let's say they th their money had gone into 737 classics or A320 CEOs or you know the NGs then if if they invest in the future in the latest technology such as the A320 
Neo family or the 737 Max, then on a comparison basis, um, you know, how, how does that reduce the overall carbon emissions? Because these are the questions that, that their investors are asking them about you know, their, their thoughts in terms of, you know, if we're going to invest in aircraft and aviation, uh, we know that it's, it's gonna be a struggle, but actually let's see if there's some improvement across the portfolio. Um, so just to add that our carbon emission calculator forms part of our Insight IQ platform that includes fleets, values, trends, flights, and liquidity analysis. So please go to the website where you can sign up for a demo and look into how those systems work. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you need more detail or want more information, please do get in touch through the website because that's really the portal we're using for all this information. So uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks everyone. Bye for now. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye.